Welcome to Redefining Reality, where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. back with another episode and this is a particularly fun episode for me to release and one that is very indicative of the beautiful world of podcasting. This episode is with my friend Evan Brand of Not Just Paleo and Not Just Paleo, the podcast, is a show that I have listened to a lot in my day, learned a lot from, laughed a lot from, well, more learned a lot. There's some humorous moments, but it's about education and really bringing out the message of holistic health, nutrition, functional medicine, and addressing all these things that are factors in that. And that's why I dig it. That's why I dig Evan. He is a solid, solid dude, very genuine, very caring person, new father, and we talked a little bit about that. But mostly we jumped around from nootropics to, you know, rewilding to documentaries and books and uh, all sorts of other good stuff so without keeping too long here i'm gonna let this roll i'm in the in the show notes i'll have links to evan's youtube channel to evan's podcast and to his amazon page where you can get a couple books so his first book was called stress solutions and his more recent one that came out at the end of last year is the Everything Guide to Nootropics, Boost Brain Function with Smart Drugs and Memory Supplements. Fun stuff. Um, definitely an area that I love to explore, love to share about. And without further ado, Mr. Evan Brand. Oh, also, if you, sh- if you like this podcast, if you get something from this, if you enjoy this podcast, please hop on over to iTunes rate review subscribe all those good things they are so so appreciated and uh, thanks for listening until next time be well and stay beautiful much love okay welcome back everybody to another episode of redefining reality today we are chatting with my friend evan brand of not just paleo he is a functional medicine practitioner an author of multiple books the latest of which is the Everything Guide to Nootropics, which I hope to dive into. And he's just a really cool dude. Um, so welcome, Evan. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of surreal. And I'm finding as I get more into podcasting, it's like, okay, I get to actually podcast with the people whose podcasts I've listened to. Yeah, it's fun, so it's, isn't it? It's, it's the beauty. It's the beauty <laughs> of the internet and connection and, uh, yeah, just the access we have to each other these days. It's a blast. Yeah. So for people that maybe aren't familiar, let's do a quick run through of sort of how you ended up being where you're at. Entrepreneur, author, health coach. Bring us through it. The Coles Notes. Sure. 
it started i mean honestly the entrepreneurship started back in middle school i was buying and selling candy and hot fries you know i'd buy a giant box of handicaps hot fries it was about 14 cents a bag i'd sell them for a dollar a bag and then eventually i you know once people found out i could jack the price up to a dollar 25 and you know make a dollar per bag of chips so i think i was born to be an entrepreneur but i didn't know exactly how that would manifest and how i would be able to help society while also being able to provide for my family so that was a long a long journey um, in terms of health I was really depressed in college. I was trying to get out of bed, and it was tough. I was working third shift, so my circadian rhythm was messed up, and that'll do a do a number to your brain and your hormones. But even beyond that, once I wasn't working third shift, I was still depressed. And so I figured something had to be going on in the gut. I don't know. I just had a gut feeling, pun intended. <laughs> and I eventually began to improve my diet. I eliminated gluten. I eliminated dairy. Things started to get better. I was still doing some grains, and a lot of my symptoms disappeared, but I still had some lingering energy issues, some lingering gut issues. Went to the specialist, went to the gastroenterologist, all of that, the whole typical approach people do, and they give you the generic diagnosis of IBS, which means I have no clue what's going on, but something's going on in your stomach. Here's three medications, prescriptions, that are intended to help you feel better. I denied the prescriptions and I began just looking into research and trying to figure out what in the world causes IBS and why am I still struggling with this issue. This issue. And then fast forward a few more years, found out I had some parasite infections in my gut. Who knows how long I've had them? If people want to know, well, how do I know if I have a parasite infection? Well, you get a you can get a functional stool test, but if you want the free way to do it, just take a look at your fingernails and if you see any vertical ridges, vertical lines, especially if you're near a light source, it works a lot better. If you see those vertical ridges across the surface of your nail, and if you can feel the texture on the nail, that gives you a little bit more clue. Not necessarily that you have a parasite, but that there's some type of malabsorption going on. So you're not breaking down your food as well as you could, and likely it's putrefying and rotting in your gut, meaning you could have a candida problem, you could have a yeast problem, which I certainly had, and I verified it by a test called organic acids, which is a urine test. So I had a lot of things wrong with me, and I wanted to figure out how to fix it. And so I went through several different schools and different training academies, for lack of a better word, to get the non-standard approach to healthcare under my belt. Because I've talked with people like Dr. Mark Hyman on my podcast, who he's a one of the world's most famous functional medicine guys there is. He's an MD, and I chatted with him. I said, Mark, how much nutrition education did you get in medical school? He said, two hours. And all, and all of medical school. So so there you go. So I knew that if I went the conventional route of education for healthcare, that it would be a waste of time. So I sought out what would be considered alternative or more functional uh, schools of thought. And that really helped me to get established in ordering lab testing. I created a whole professional-grade supplement line for people that I use that I take myself. I'm drinking some vitamin C that I formulated right now. Uh, and basically, my goal is just remove the barriers to health and happiness for people. There's so many people suffering. The CDC, they say that depression is now the number one leading cause of disability in the United States, and it surpasses heart disease now. And I, I see it. I believe it. I mean, you can just feel in society something's not right, and many people don't talk about it. A friend of mine 
Norgood Gaudis, she actually posted something on Twitter the other day. She went and spoke at the Ancestral Health Symposium, and she posted something up, some piece of research, and took a quote from it. It said, 95% of people have at least one health ailment, and I don't know what it said. Maybe a third of those people have more than five ailments. So you could basically say everyone that you know, everyone listening to this podcast has something bugging them, whether it's fatigue, whether it's bloating gas, whether it's uh, just issues with sleep, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, joint pain, etc. Almost everybody has something. It's just a matter of whether they actually talk about it and whether they're actually going to get to the root cause of it or are they just going to take aspirin and destroy their gut and their liver. You know, you never know which route people are going to take. So I hope by today you and I can shed some light on the functional approach to this whole thing and make people realize, look, you don't have to go the conventional route because one, they're not trained in nutrition. Two, they are trained in drugs and surgery. So unless you want drugs and surgery to fix your ailment or to try to fix your ailment, that school of thought is not really going to help you. Now, I don't want people to think you shouldn't go to the doctor. If you get your arm chopped off by a chainsaw accident, you need to go to the emergency room for sure. Get the arm reattached. But in most cases with chronic illnesses and chronic symptoms like I dealt with, it was a complete waste of time and money. Yeah, well, I can completely relate to that because the whole reason I started getting into health was when about six years ago, my appendix ruptured. And so if it wasn't for medical science and emergency surgery, I wouldn't be here talking right now. Yeah. You know, I would have been done at 18 years old. Mother Nature would have taken me out at 18 years old. And so they kept me alive, right? Western medical science kept me alive, but they didn't teach me how to be healthy and well and how to prevent complications during my recovery, right? So I went from ruptured appendix to, okay, you're stabilized, we got the antibiotics working and taking care of you. And then a year later, candida and yeast overgrowth like crazy because of all the antibiotics and then bowel obstructions from the scar tissue. So all these things layered and layered and layered on top of each other that were completely preventable. Did you have to go completely get more surgery preventable. for your bowel obstruction or did that just pass? Well, see, that's that's another uh, really cool piece I love to share about is um, I ended up hospitalized, and that's when they figured out what it was. This is about a year and a half after the initial surgery. What they do, um, a CAT scan, or how'd they find it? They did a CT scan, yeah, yeah, um, which is also how they found the original appendix. Um, I'll keep it short, but the first doctor I went to misdiagnosed me. Um, so he did an x-ray and poked me in the belly a couple times and then said I had the flu. Go sleep it off. After giving me two shots of morphine and Tylenol 3s. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was an extra day of, like, festering before I actually got surgery. That's why I was I was very close to septic shock. Oh. Um, so very blessed to be here. And, and it, the whole thing's been the best thing that ever happened to me because now it's put me in the path that I'm on. Getting back to the obstructions and scar tissue is, is a fascination of mine. But um, after being hospitalized, okay, they figured out you've got obstructions. This is normal, quote unquote, normal for surgery. Um, we'll put you on a liquid diet and we'll hope that it passes. And if it doesn't, we'll do more surgery, which makes no sense because the surgery caused the issue. How is the surgery going to fix the issue? Luckily, it passed on a liquid diet. The next day, I left the hospital and I went home and I immediately to Google uh, natural ways to. A remedy bowel obstructions, uh, natural ways to break down scar tissue, all that sort of searching. And I found this amazing clinic called Clear Passages. 
that specializes in manual therapy, massage, deep tissue massage to open up blocked, uh, well, first fallopian tubes for infertility. That's how they got their start. And they figured if we can open fallopian tubes, surely we can open the intestines. It's a much bigger structure. So by the grace of God and having parents that could support this, we went down a few months later to Florida, Gainesville, Florida, to their head office. I'm from Toronto. Went down on my reading week, spring break, and I got 20 hours of abdominal massage in one week. And they gave me a whole education on fascia and scar tissue and how to break it down and how to make things be more mobile. And uh, luckily, you know, since then, I've been pretty much symptom free. Now I do have to maintain a pretty much daily self massage practice to keep things nice and loose. But um, yeah, no surgery. That's intense. Wow. Did you ever do like magnesium citrate or anything to, to support you that way? I definitely, yeah, magnesium definitely keeps things going smooth. Um, I did a bunch of topical stuff like castor oil packs were really, really helpful. Um, frankincense oil is supposed to be able to help break down scar tissue. So I've done a little bit of that. Um, and then the latest thing has been DMSO. I'm not sure if you're familiar with DMSO, but that stuff's powerful. And again, the same sort of uh, the same sort of thought is that it can help to break down scar tissue. Wow, that's a trip. Well, I'm glad you're healthy now. That's scary. Yeah, it was it was a trip. It was definitely a trip. But like I said, I mean, the process and the education that it sort of gave me through that experience has been uh, phenomenal. Um, I want to jump in quickly. Talk a bit about formulating products, formulating supplements. I know your history, you worked at Onnit for a few years, I believe. Yeah, it was a couple couple years. Yeah, I think 2013 to 2015 or so. Yeah, and so you were doing a lot of research and you were doing product development and then you went and have made your whole a line of your own. Yeah, it was kind right, of so. yeah, it was kind of a, a a bittersweet time. I mean, I started out working just helping with a lot of the the back end side of things at the company with kettlebells and shipments and all of that, kind of just getting my foot in the door. And then Aubrey, the CEO, he ended up promoting me and putting me to work directly for him to research and create new products. So it was fun just spending my day reading about ingredients. But how often are you creating new supplements? So naturally, the work basically ran out and I was homesick at the same time. So we basically just kind of agreed that, well, it's time for me to leave. So my wife and I, we came back from Texas to Kentucky and then I realized, well, hell, I can do this on my own. And so that's exactly what I did. Well, I'm curious, um, cause I'm looking to potentially do some of the same. Do you just reach out to wholesalers or do you buy a bunch of powders and they're like, like mixing them in your kitchen? Like exactly. what's the process? <laughs> Well, so it depends on it depends on what credentials you have because that will give you or prevent you from getting granted access to different companies. So like I use all professional healthcare companies and they'll help you to make products. Now before before I had certain credentials, what I was looking into doing, which I never did, was contract manufacturing, which is how most supplement companies do it. They contact a just a, a random warehouse who holds a bunch of different powders and bins and herbs and stuff like that. And then they create the product and possibly label the product for you. Um, but I just, I had concerns about going that route. You know, if you could look for a, a manufacturer that had, they were considered CGMP, like 
certify good manufacturing practices, then that's a good that's a good first step. And you can make great supplements. All the all the paleo health companies that you see, that's what they're doing. They're doing contract manufacturing and you go and you buy a bunch of stuff in bulk, you probably spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand up front and you get a lot of product made. And if you like it and your people like it and it helps them get better, then then that's excellent. You know, I think my situation's kind of unique because I'm actually working with the people one-on-one, you know, consulting. So a lot of people, this isn't against any supplement company, but a lot of supplement companies, they just sell you the supplement and that's it. It's kind of a transaction and the thing's done. For me, you know, I have to look at these people face-to-face on Skype or chat with them on the phone about my product. How are you feeling? How's it working? How's your energy? How's your gut? And if it's not working, they're going to tell me straight up, and that comes back on me. Whereas with the regular supplement company, you just you buy the supplement and then shake hands digitally, and then that's it. You know, so it's kind of a unique, a unique place. It puts a bit more pressure on me to be more strict in terms of using dosages that actually make sense, stuff like that. Uh, quite a lot of supplement companies, what they'll do is they'll hide things in a proprietary blend, and that's not always a bad thing. It's not. It's not a crime, but. Sometimes people will do what's called fairy dusting, and this is what I wrote about my Everything Guide to Nootropic book, that some companies will fairy dust, meaning you can advertise rhodiola as an ingredient in your blend, but it's a blend. So you may only have 20 milligrams of it, which if you look at research, it's not enough to do anything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of something that's a continual evolution for me, making sure that the dosages make sense and all of that. So there's a lot of good there's a lot of good supplement companies out there, but you just have to kind of dig in and and take your time with them. Yeah, well, and that's why I mean, for yourself, you probably realize this when you're talking to clients, and I know for myself, talking to clients or just friends that aren't really initiated to the level of understanding that we have is it's a huge, wide world, and to be able to differentiate between not only the different forms of say something like minerals, right? Which are gonna affect uh, efficacy and absorbability. And then the, the different potential fillers and the combinations of things. And yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a, a, a wide ranging and very deep place to explore yeah. um, because there is so much garbage, right? Like, mo- like, like, like any industry, there's a lot of crap that's just out there to make money. Exactly. Um, so good to know that you're, uh, you're forging ahead and getting that feedback that that one-on-one feedback from your clients which is uh i imagine very valuable yeah i'm going from there so yeah talking about nootropics that book um what what if you had to pick one nootropic or one cognitive enhancing substance of sorts what would be what would be your go-to that's a good question well so the word nootropic, and I address this too, the word nootropic's been watered down heavily. So the original coin term back in, I think it was late 60s, early 70s of nootropic meant that it had to have no no potential for addiction, little or zero side effects, just miracle drug, kind of like a, a super drug, like from Limitless. You know, that's basically mm-hmm. what a, a, a nootropic had to be. However, a lot of companies use the word nootropic and it's not technically a nootropic. To be honest with you, my favorite, well, it, it, it wouldn't fit nootropic though because it has addiction potential, uh, was Phenibut or Phenibit, which is phenyl GABA. 
Mm. If I didn't get if I didn't get exposed to that, I had a friend who was taking that and he let me try a dose of it. If I hadn't got exposed to that substance, I may never have gone down the rabbit hole that I have because it really opened my world up to, wow, look at this molecule. You add a phenyl group to GABA. GABA is just a calming neurotransmitter in the brain. It's the brakes of the brain. Add this little phenyl group to it, which makes it smaller so it can cross your blood-brain barrier, and you're going to feel amazing within 30 minutes of taking it, and colors are going to be more vivid, and your sleep's going to be better, and you're going to be more sociable. Wow, this is amazing. So that's probably my favorite, but it doesn't actually meet the the specification of a nootropic because it does have severe addiction potential very quickly. I wouldn't recommend anybody taking that more than once or twice a week. In terms of things that I do recommend, though, honestly, I kind of go more towards herbs more than the chemicals like the, the synthetic nootropics. It's not that those are bad, but I just tend to like the herbs more. So I've already mentioned rhodiola. I'm a huge fan of that. I would kind of consider that it's it's an adaptogen, but I would consider it kind of a nootropic, if you will, too, just because of the ability that I see in handling stress, even cognitive stress. Other things, though, like oxiracetam, that's a really good one. The whole Rastam family, those are really excellent, and some people may get headaches from them. They might not feel well if they take Rastams, like Paracetam, Aniracetam, they may get headaches, so you got to kind of be careful and, and start really slow with them. Um, my friend Dr. Andrew Hill, he's a neuroscientist over at a company called True Brain. I'm not endorsed or, or paid by them at all, but they're a really cool company, and I've tried out their think drinks that they have. If people kind of want to get started with something, it's an excellent starting place. They're delicious and naturally sweetened, and they have a wide variety of nootropics blended in there. You know, things like amino acids too, you know, tyrosine and other sorts of little brain boosters that when you combine them, you get a synergistic effect and you can feel amazing. I mean, you talk about productivity. I don't do them often, but when I do their drinks, it's just... I feel like my fingers melt into the keyboard when I'm trying to type. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I've definitely had a couple of those like flow state experiences. The first time I ever tried Nupept oh, was gosh. one of those for me. Um, tell, people and how, tell people how delicious Nupept tastes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean most of these – a lot of these powders are extremely bitter. Um but, uh, I mean, you can put them in capsules. I have some capsuled form. Yeah. The thing that's crazy is, about – I didn't mean to interrupt you. The thing that's crazy about Nupept is, which I've tried it, the dosage, which I got just like a bulk powder version, the dosage was like the head of a toothpick. Yeah. It's tiny. It's crazy. It's tiny. And it's kind of scary, right? Because it it's is. like the potential. And you read on forums of some of the doses people are taking and having what sounds like an awful time. Um, and I don't, I don't doubt it, right? Because it's such a potent substance. But just to briefly go back, the first time I ever tried that, I took it, uh, I took it with a bunch of centrophenazine at the same time to support the choline sort of build-up pathway. Um, and I went downstairs to the gym in my building like 30 minutes later, and it was just starting to kick in. I had an empty stomach. It was early morning. And the amount of uh, force I was able to produce in my muscles was unlike anything. I don't know what exactly was going on, but just my nervous system being so dialed up 
that everything felt so like just engaged and energized. And then I went upstairs and sat on the computer for like three hours and it was just sort of a blur. Um, and it's never been as strong since it was sort of a first time, uh, golden experience and, yeah. <laughs> uh, never been the same since, but powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And listening to, I don't know if you know the podcast, smart drug smarts. Yeah. I've been on there. Jesse, he's a good guy. Awesome. Yeah. I love that show. I love that show. And so he, the episode that he had with one of the founders or creators of new pept was, uh, was awesome. It's like this old Russian lady who sounds like she just goes, 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 and she's been on the stuff. In, like indefinitely since they created it oh my gosh i have to go listen to that episode <laughs> she yeah yeah it sounds like she essentially is just always like in the zone and on her computer and that's her life wow so i'm not necessarily recommending that but um powerful stuff powerful <laughs> stuff but and similarly i i mean i like the herbs myself i like the bacopas i like the ginkgos yeah um i really like the amino acids right so lately i've been doing a uh, combination of L-theanine, caffeine in some form, whether through tea or uh, yerba mate or coffee, and uh, acetyl L-carnitine. And I find which, the L-theanine, acetyl L-carnitine, and caffeine, those three together are just, ooh, I'm loving that combo right now. That does sound excellent. Yeah, I actually, I use acetyl L-carnitine quite a lot if I see mitochondrial markers that are elevated in people i run a lot of organic acids tests which is a at-home urine test people do if you see issues with the krebs cycle which is just kind of one cycle one way that you manufacture energy if i see issues there and this isn't something that i came up with this is just the clinical training they say if you see mitochondrial issues use the acetyl l-carnitine and people will lose weight without even trying like you become a fat burning machine it's insane but also your energy is just through the roof so i'm yeah i'm not surprised you feel good with that yeah was well, that whole what do they call it? the carnitine shuffle yeah some or shuttle shuttle yeah. yeah shuttle shuffle remember learning about that in nutrition school and how it helps uh bring fatty acids into into the mitochondria for yeah, breakdown i think of it as like a like a subway coming into the station or something <laughs> delivering your your fat cells yeah yeah yeah, so I mean, I love this stuff. I'm curious. Do you do do you do like a uh, a morning drink or a morning you know super beverage of sorts? Smoothie, coffee, tea? Typically, no, I don't. Uh, what I've been doing for the past couple of months is I've been taking. Um, it's a drink I have. It's a powder. It's called vitamin C tonic, and it's about two and a half grams of mixed ascorbate. So it's not just ascorbic acid. You don't want to use that. You want to use your magnesium ascorbates and your calcium ascorbates. So it's like two and a half grams of vitamin C, and then I add just a little bit of some Bragg's apple cider vinegar to it, and that's it. Sometimes I'll add lime or lemon juice to it, some water, and honestly, that's it. I don't really do too much brain boosting. My brain's usually working pretty good. Uh, if I do want to do some morning brain-boosting stuff, what I'll do is just some adaptogen blends. So whether it's like rhodiola, uh, holy basil, shijandra berry, I like that a lot. Um, I'll do some tyrosine sometimes if I just am lacking mental drive a little bit. If I get too overstimulated, then I use some pharma GABA to kind of bring that down. I'll stay away from using just regular GABA or Finibit just because it's addiction potential. The theanine's cool. I like theanine. I'll do some matcha tea sometimes. Pretty rarely, though. 
lately. I don't know. I mean, ever since I become a dad, my daughter, she's 10 weeks old now. Ever since I became a dad, it's like you have a newfound sense of just everything. I mean, your motivation just like quadruples. So I think if people want a nootropic, just have a baby and uh, <laughs> your brain might work better. I don't know. That's awesome. Well, and congratulations. Thank you. I had seen, I think, on social media somewhere, some pictures of the little one. Yeah, she's a cutie. Um, what's her name? Her name's Summer. Summer. Yeah. Great name. Very fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. How old are you right now? 25. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've thought about that. I've thought about that whole concept and a lot of people who I've heard speak and who are very successful, quote unquote, in certain, you know, whatever you want to call success, driven, very driven and very accomplished, that uh, having a kid was like the greatest thing. Sometimes they weren't ready for it. Right. That's the I mean, thing. I, yeah. Don't don't go have a baby with a random person. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like you you've probably been pretty intentional about the whole thing. Yeah. It was a very... Yeah, it was a very intentional process, and, you know, I've been with not my now wife. We've been together seven years, you know, so it was kind of an order of operations. And for a long time, I thought, man, this is something that the world seems crazy. The world seems like it's it's a tough place to raise a kid, but my wife, she said, babe, she said, you can't put your dreams on hold just because the outside world might be crazy. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Okay, let's make it happen, so... We well, go. and I would even take it a step further and say that folks like yourself that are taking care of yourself and, I mean, health-wise, financially-wise, just learning, growing, those are the types of people that need to be having kids. Like, the types of people that typically have kids are the ones that shouldn't be having kids. And me and my brother were speaking about this. He was saying how we need to institute an application process. You have to apply before you can have a child. Otherwise, you have to have a forced abortion. It's kind of crazy, but <laughs> I uh, I would just say good on you because we need to, you know, create humans that are going to maintain this sort of healthy, natural vitality if we're going to have a bright future. Um, definitely, it's not survival of the fittest. It's definitely kind of survival of the the healthiest now. I mean, just because there's so many people that have chronic diseases and they are passing those those genes, those preloaded genes for disease onto their offspring. So it is a it is a big deal and you know in a in a perfect world we could have healthy people have healthy babies, but unfortunately, yeah, I mean unhealthy people, they they can still have babies in some cases. I think some people get depressed if they're not able to have children, but you know, that's probably mother nature's way of saying look you need to to get healthy first or maybe you're just not you're not meant to your body's not meant to to procreate so it doesn't have to be um, controversial it's just the reality that if you're if you're meant for it it might happen or it, it might not yeah well and i can sort of seeing the way things are going i wouldn't be surprised if in a few generations we've almost got two species of humans um, one such as yourself, who's maintained a connection to nature and the earth and natural principles of health, and the other who has become completely dependent on in vitro fertilization and being propped up by pharmaceuticals and are just like, you know, sort of like robot humans that are tuned in technology. And that those two populations over time could diverge and diverge and diverge until they're like completely separate 
species almost. I mean, still homo, whatever, whatever we're evolving into next homo, you know, I don't know what's next, but, um, sounds like a movie. Yeah, I think it could be a movie. I think it could be a movie. And it, it brings up in my mind, this whole concept of rewilding and like a lot of the work that Daniel Vitalis is doing. And I'm curious because you seem like you're pretty into that. I mean, you like, you get out into the outdoors, you connect to nature. What sort of practices do you have or are you working towards or in terms of growing your own food? Like what kind of a setup are you working with or, or working towards? Yeah, Daniel's a great guy. I've had him on my podcast too. We, we laughed so hard. I think it was one of the hardest times I've laughed on the podcast because we were talking about the – the the fine line that is rewilding and just being weird and we were i was talking to him about the guys down in austin that were riding the the single speed bikes with the short shorts on so much that you could see things hanging out of their shorts anyway people just go look up daniel vitalis on my podcast type in not just paleo you'll find it hilarious episode it'll make your day um, but yeah, but Daniel's, he's doing a lot of great work. The practices I'm doing, I mean, right now at the house, I have on some elk moccasins. I think that's a pretty cool step to, it just feels, feels good. And I'm not wearing synthetic socks on my feet. You know, you typically you're having nylons, spandex, things like that, that are not really going to ground you as much as a natural, like a wool or a cotton or and elk leather wood. So I try to wear natural things as much as possible. I eliminated everything out of my wardrobe that was not 100% cotton. So obviously if I had 100% organic cotton or hemp, that would be excellent. I do have a lot of hemp clothes, but um, just getting rid of the synthetics was a good first step. And other practices, I have a garden. I have a raised bed garden. So right now I don't have any super wild foods. I have some strawberries and I have some sweet potatoes that are going absolutely insane and mm. I have some broccoli. So I love to go out in the morning, see if I have any strawberries ready. I'll pluck them right off and eat them immediately. It's delicious, thousand times better than a store-bought strawberry even if it is organic. Um, other practices, I try to spend as much time outside as much as possible. You know, I work a clinic online, so I'm on the computer or on the phone for hours a day, typically three, four days a week. But when I'm not on calls, I'm outside. I'm either in the backyard just hanging out under the tree. We've got a big oak tree out there hanging out under the tree. Or my wife and I will take the baby. We'll go out to the park. We have a, a wide variety, five, 6,000 acres or so that we could choose from around here that's not too far away, 10, 15-minute drive where we can go and go on some trails or even – take a paved trail through the woods you know that's what we've been doing lately with the stroller and that's what helps me to to stay grounded because i am on the internet so much i am connected so much that i really have to balance that out with disconnectedness otherwise my mental health goes down pretty quickly i i notice a complete correlation to the more i use social media the more depressed i am so I typically stay away from social media as much as possible. I've taken all of the apps off of my phone. Like I used to have right there on the home screen, boom, Instagram or boom, Twitter. Never had Facebook really. I got rid of my personal Facebook back in 2008 or so. Best decision I've ever made in my life. But I've pulled off all the social media stuff from the you know, the front page of the, of the screen there because you would get on your phone. I think the average person checks their phone like 150 times a day. So you'd go in and you would check that, but it's just, that's not reality, you know? Social media was kind of created to help people sense a reality, but now it's been sort of co-opted and now it's just the highlight reel of people's lives. So it really, 
makes you feel envious or jealous even if you're not a jealous person you could just look at it and you're you're feeling like your life's not adequate because somebody's on top of a mountain flying a you know flying a wingsuit or something you know what i mean so there's just always something that you can compare yourself to i think that's a very detrimental thing so the the less that i use social media the better I do use it for my clinic to help spread my, my YouTube videos and stuff like that, which you may have seen. But beyond that, I try to stay away. Um, it's, I think it's a double-edged sword. I, I, lend, I, try to, I lean more towards social media being toxic more than helpful, but I think it can still be helpful if it's used in the right context. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like any tool, right? Um, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And the goal that I'm really working towards is to to use the tool and not be used by the tool. Well said. Right? Yeah. To not be mindlessly consumed in the black hole that is Facebook. Exactly. Um, yeah, I re- I read a quote that said if you're if you're consuming, you're not producing. And that was sort of in that was talking about content. So like if you're consuming content, you're listening, you're watching, you're reading, that's all good. But if you're consuming you're not producing. So if your goal is to produce videos, to produce podcasts, to produce articles, to help people, if you're just consuming nonstop, you're not gonna you're not producing anything. So I yeah. that quote hit me and I was like, dang, okay. I really don't need XYZ new research study. All the information I have now is plenty enough to help people get the foundations in order. Get your diet free of chemicals. Make sure you get up with the sun. Go to bed with the sun. Make sure you try to remove yourself from electromagnetic fields that you can by turning off your Wi-Fi router at night or going full hardwired. Making sure you're spending as much time in nature because there never used to be such thing as indoors. Here, people, I'm an outdoors person. Well, of course you are. (laughs) There never used to be. I heard a one of my wife's friends said that she's an indoor person. I said that that's not possible. You that did not exist. You know, thousand years ago, besides a cave, and you would have been in there just for shelter. Uh, so, honestly, the rewilding thing—that's kind of that's basically the the whole ideology in a nutshell that makes the most sense. And I combine that with functional medicine, where I look at the lab test because no matter how much you rewild, and I think I've maybe rewilded a little bit too hard, going barefoot and swimming in all these random lakes and streams and rivers, and I picked up two parasites. I would suspect a lot of people in the rewilding movement probably have gut bugs because we are we're digging our hands in the dirt, we're going barefoot, we're swimming in random sources of water that probably are clean, but you could still have parasites in it. You know, it could be a pristine source of water and still have parasites. So. Uh, I joked about taking the rewilding too far, but 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 it is a reality. You know, there there are things out there, and it's just a matter of you having the health and the gut integrity, not having a leaky gut, for example, to where if you get exposed to stuff, it'll just pass on, and it won't make a make a residence in your gut, like what happens to most people. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I have firsthand experience of that sort of thing, having swam in the Amazon River. Oh man. And uh, having done so with what I believe was still a leaky gut at the time. Wow. What and happened? Then pick, well, I, I mean, all that happened seemingly was I got these little skin things that sort of came and went and sometimes come, sometimes go. And uh, I, I honestly haven't been able to figure out exactly what it is. I've done stool testing. I've done uh, a few other things. You ought to run a GI map test because um, a lot of – like even comprehensive tests i've run show up with false negatives the gi map if if there's something in your gut it's going to find it well and i've wondered 
has it is it is it possible that it has moved through the gut and is now like in circulation or something or hiding out in the tissue somewhere it's possible but if you do it like a dna based test like this one it'll find it whereas the mm. other the other like doctor's data some of those other comprehensive stool panels those are more antigen based which those may give you false negatives but a pcr dna based test you're going to find it if it's there okay i, I have get, to look up I would the get one that GI i did map. before gi map i did it was called gi effects mm -hmm. i've heard of that one that's uh genova Genova. Yeah. It's a decent one, but I've seen false negatives. Okay. Well, it's just not to make you paranoid. I just want to find if there's something there and yeah, yeah. found and, and getting getting rid of. Well, yeah, and it's exactly what you said. And this is the sort of ethic that I like to operate with is is taking the best of ancient wisdom and rewilding and ancestral knowledge and merging that with the best of the modern day. And that seems to be – that's the way forward that I want to go. Um, it seems to be the most sort of uh, – Effective and health-producing and insane way to move forward. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you. Agreed. I'm right there with you. Uh, we're coming up on our time here. Quick, quick, quick question: Any books or documentaries that have been really impactful for you lately? The Business of Being Born is an excellent documentary. If anybody is debating having children, has children, knows people that want to have kids. It's a cool documentary. Basically, the summary is that C-sections are typically not necessary in U.S. We have one of the highest C-section rates in the world. It's around 30%, so one in three. Uh, typically, it's a big moneymaker compared to a natural birth. So that's a cool documentary to check out. Also, there's another documentary. What is it called? It's slipping my mind now. I need some Bacopa. It is a, it's a, a documentary on... Mercury. I can't think of what it's called now. It's a new it was a new documentary that I saw. Anyhow, long story short, with that documentary, you need to go to a good holistic dentist if you do have silver amalgams in your mouth that are poisoning you, then you'll want to make sure that you do it right. So you'd want to go to iamot.org. It's the International association for i think it's mercury awareness or something like that but it's a dental association if you find a dentist with that certification you can know that you're taken care of those are two good documentaries in terms of books productivity books i would recommend the war of art by stephen pressfield great book on resistance which is the little negative voice in your head that prevents you from doing anything with yourself and other books would be the Edge Effect by Eric Braverman, great book on brain chemistry, amino acids. Another book would be The Mood Cure and The Diet Cure by Julia Ross. I've had her on the podcast. She's amazing. It's all about amino acid therapy for various symptoms. What was the other question? You said documentaries, books, and... Yeah, that was it. Documentaries, books. Okay. If you haven't checked out the Tony Robbins documentary, I'd highly suggest checking that one out. Yeah, I am I not your guru. Yet. Oh my god, so powerful! Okay, I'm so gonna powerful. check it out. I'm gonna look it so, up right now. It's on the to-do yeah. list. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Ch yeah, check that one out. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't want to keep your time here. I know you're a busy man. Got things to get to. Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you and acknowledge you for the work you've been doing, consistently doing. You know, you're at. I don't even know how many hundreds of episodes you've put out in the podcast at this point, but you've been in there for a long time. And uh, it's definitely made a difference in my life. I, I trust it's made a difference in the lives of thousands of people who have tuned into that message. 
And uh, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for that. Acknowledge you for that. Acknowledge you for the amazing dad that I'm sure you're going to be and already are. And, uh, yeah, just thank you for, for sharing the time and sharing some thoughts today. Well, thanks, Brian. I feel like we jumped all over the place, but hopefully it was fun for people and you enjoyed it. That's what life's about. When you don't plan it, you don't script it, you have more fun. Precisely. Precisely. Take good care. Yeah, you too, man. Bye. Peace. Woke up this morning, refreshed from the evening.